Hey, it's so good to be here. Is it good to be here? Oh, I just love the worship. I was just thinking last, last Sunday, I was talking to my wife this morning and saying last Sunday it was a very different place. I was in a, uh, uh, if you imagine this, they've built half of the church made of mud brick. By the way, we, we got to make some mud bricks, which was quite cool too. You'll see the photos next week. But they've, they've made the, the walls of the church sort of so high and they haven't, they've run out of money, so it's just little bit by little bit. And they've got this grass thatch roof that's made inside the church structure. And, and we had the church service under that. So we've got dirt floor, mud thatched sort of roof thingy, and, and God was there so good. So good. So it's great to be back. It's, it's great to see and, and to hear and to just love the atmosphere in this place. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. Hey, just a quick story. One of the highlights for me um, over the last couple of weeks is you never know what God's done until you look back. And there's people here sitting here tonight and, and you wonder what God has done in your life or has, has there been any purpose or significance in it? But I just want to say, if you look back 12 months, look back a little bit longer, look back a little bit longer, and you go back and you just see far out, God, you've done so much in me and so much around. This year we went back to Uganda and and uh, we had a pastors and leaders conference, and there was a pastor and his wife there. Went up to them, and they're holding this little baby. And so you just to do the thing, you say, so, oh, it's a cute little baby. How old's your baby? They said, oh, 12 months old. Can't you remember? And I said, oh, I, I can't remember. They said, 12 months ago, when we went last year, this, the, the pastor's wife was pregnant, as you, as you are. And the thing is, she'd been pregnant for 12 months. So anyone here been pregnant for 12 months? Oh, that's all right. Because in New Zealand, we have these things called in inductions. Is that right? We have these things where you go to the hospital and they kind of do things to remove the baby if the baby doesn't want to come out. But over there, they don't have the same sort of level. And if you're going to do that, it's going to cost you. So here you go. The, the baby's, she's been pregnant. Mother's been pregnant for 12 months. And by this stage, most people expect the baby to be dead or the mother will die. And so we just prayed. And I can't even remember any of that at all. God's so good. What happened is then we just left that church because it would have been a rural church. We come back this year, and we, here's this baby was born that very same weekend. So we prayed. No great bells, no great whistles. Just lay hands, pray, and she goes into labor that very same day. God is so good. A six-kilo baby. Six kilos. How do you find that? So God is so good. I want to encourage you. Why don't you open your Bibles to the, to the book of Luke? And there's a great story in here. Father, I just want to thank you for tonight. I want to thank you for the atmosphere and presence in this place. I thank you that you are so interested in us as your people. I thank you that you're so interested, that we are worthy, that we are accepted, we're loved by you. I thank you that there is nothing that we can do to gain acceptance by you, but it's, but it's what you've given us. So we just so enjoy your presence. We so enjoy your gift to us. I decree tonight, let every ear be open to hear. Lord, let every heart be open to receive and encouraged in you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Oh, right. Oh, that was kind of. Everyone said? Amen. Hey, that's better. It says this. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, and verse 26. Now, this is a story about Jesus. You see, Jesus is, is just preaching, and, and, he comes, and this guy comes up to him who's a, a lawyer or a doctorate in the, in the law. 
and he, and he wants to test Jesus, and he asks him a question. He says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being Jesus, he just asked the question straight back to him and said, well, you're the teacher. You're the, you're the one who knows everything. You tell me what you think. What have you read? And the man says this in verse 27, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So I was wondering, do we have anyone here tonight that love God with everything they are? Do we have anyone here tonight who loves God with everything that you are? With all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul, have we got some people here tonight who love God with everything you are? Well, that's great. So have we got anybody here who likes showing that love for God by loving their neighbor? <laughs> Did that sound different, Lynn? It's slightly different, isn't it? Who was here this morning and heard Pastor Mike say, who here believes that, that, you are, that, that God has sent you as a gift, that you are a gift of God to the world? Who believes that you're a gift of God to the world? Who believes that you're a gift of God to your community? It's like, I'm God's gift to the world. I'm going to go to the world. I'm going to save. I've got, God's mission is to save. I'm going to save the world. And it's like I walk past Brian, but I'm going to save the world. And then I walk past this other person who's struggling, but I'm going to save the world. And then I walk past these youth who just got so much depression and discouragement, but, but I'm going to save the world. Is that right? No, that's right. So who's, who's God's gift to the world? <laughs> God has sent you. But how often are we like that? We say, you know, God sent me to the world. God sent me to the community. But then who's, what about my neighbor? What about, who is my neighbor? So that's exactly the question that Jesus asked in this story. He said, who? So? If you love your neighbor as yourself, then the man said, so, well, trying to justify himself, says, who is my neighbor? So if you're into taking notes today, I'll just give you the three points, and then you can put your notes down and just then get into it. Does that sound good? So point number one, my neighbor is my mission. My neighbor is my mission. And we're going to talk about who my neighbor is. My neighbor, my neighbor, the person sitting next to me at work, the person sitting next to me on the pew at church, the person sitting next to me that I walk past that fills up petrol in my car. Who is my neighbor? Number one, my neighbor is my mission. Called to save the world, but I walk past people every day. Number two, his love is what motivates me. His love is what motivates me. Mother Teresa said, it was said of Mother Teresa that she'd love people and I love people and I love people and pour out her life to people and then get so exhausted and tired, she'd, get, she'd just go back into the presence of God, just like we did tonight. And Father, I thank you that you're my strength. I thank you that I can feel your presence washing over me, over me right now. I thank you that I'm accepted and loved by God. I thank you that I can access you and receive of his strength and then go and love people again. God is just so good. And number three, your journey is not over. There's people here tonight and you feel like you're on the side of the road. You feel like you're, you're beaten up. 
You feel like you're broken down. You feel like, how can I go on? My marriage, my finances, my relationships. I don't know what it is, but I want to tell you tonight, your journey is not over. That tonight is an opportunity for you to get so refreshed and encouraged and built up in God. That's good? So, So Jesus wanted to illustrate a point of who is my neighbor? You see, this man was trying to justify himself. He's saying, I'm called to, to, to love the world, to, to set everyone free, to go on a mission trip to Uganda because I'm going to save Uganda for Jesus. I'm going to go throughout the world and preach the gospel. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And, and so who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story. So he starts the story, and, and you read it in there, and, and it starts with this man, a certain man. So we get this certain man, Benji, stand up. We got a certain man. We might need a little bit more light because Benji doesn't glow in the dark. So if you can just flick the light up. So we've got this certain man. You see, just happens to be any old man, but he's a man. I mean, look at these guns. This is a man. You can tell by this body, this is a man. And it says there was a certain man, and he's walking along the road. And as he's walking along from Jerusalem, he's walking to Jericho. See, from Jerusalem, the place where I connect with God, he's walking to Jericho, which is the place where I work. Uh, the place where I, I work out my purpose or work out my destiny. But he gets halfway there, and suddenly these robbers, all the way from Hastings. No, that's all right. That's all right, Lynn. These robbers come and ambush him, and they grab him, and they smack him down. They give him the smack down. They rip his clothes off him. Which we won't do. And they steal his name tag, so he doesn't know who he is. But it says that, you can sit down, Benji. Thank you so much. It says that, that they ambushed him, that they robbed him of everything he had. So what, what do you carry? You carry your wallet. What's in your wallet? Your money, your identity card, driver's license, maybe your credit card, Dougie's gold card with a with $100,000 limit. I mean, it's everything he's got, access to his money, access to, access to there's a photo of his wife and kids. It, that got stolen as well. So he got... He got, the things got stolen from them. Not only that, but they beat him up. So, and then they chucked him on the ground. They ripped his clothes and he's left lying on the side of the road. You know, what's it like to be, what's it like to get beaten up? I don't know if you've ever been beaten up before, but I've been beaten up before. And it's okay. It's okay. These guns, these guns. They, I'm standing here, aren't I? But what does it feel like to get beaten up? What does it feel like to, you've seen the, the pictures on television, you, you've heard the stories, you, everybody I'm sure would know somebody that has been beaten up and left in the playground, left behind the, left in the corridors of school, knocked around in some way. What does it feel like? You're left on the side of the road. What does it feel like? I know for me, it wasn't so much the physical thing, but was rejection on the inside that knocked me more than anything else. What is it like to be, to have things stolen from you, the things that are so important? What is it like to, to have your, your money stolen from you? What is it to be on your way from somewhere to somewhere else and then get totally distracted and left on the side of the road, left half dead? Or maybe you say, well, I'm not half dead, but maybe, maybe he wasn't half dead, but he sure is, is, was only half alive. You see, someone catch that. You see, God made you to have life and life in abundance. He didn't call you to be half dead sitting on a, a pew in church and struggling through life. 
He didn't call you to, to, be, to have a marriage that was just barely existing or some finances that are struggling from one week to the next to, to better just cope just enough before my next paycheck arrives. But he called you to have life in the full. See, that's not half alive. That's fully alive. So this guy's walking and, and he gets robbed and left for dead or left half dead or just half alive. You know, what is it like to, be, to have someone come and rob the life out of your life? Or maybe you get abused and, and rob, rob something that's so special to you. Or leave you, rob your dignity. Or what else could they rob? They rob your marriage and you're left with, with just a couple of kids and, and no one to help you. Or rob you, rob you in the finances so you're left just struggling through life. Or rob you of your identity. You see, he's carrying an identity card. So you don't know who you are anymore. Maybe you're here and you're like that that you go halfway through your life and the words that have spoken have actually robbed you of who you are, that you'll never account for anything. Who do you think you are even trying to stand up and do anything? Who do you think you are trying to plant something in a nation? Who do you think you are trying to be somebody? Who do you think you are living where you are that you could change the community that you live in? So he's left lying Ripped clothes, ripped identity, exposed and vulnerable. Anything that goes past, he's left lying. He wanted to be there, but he's no longer there. He wanted to be somewhere great, but he got waylaid halfway through. And he's thinking, I'm going to die on the side of the road. All the dreams that I've ever hoped for, all the things that I desired to accomplish in my life, all the things that I want to achieve in my family, I'm not going to even see my kids grow up. All the things that I wanted to achieve in my life, I wanted to go to university. I'm never going to get there because now all my money is stolen. You know, what was it like for that guy? Just totally destroyed. And I'm sure there's people here just like that. But see, that's not what we're talking about. The question was, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You say, we all just stand up and say, I love God. I praise Him. I'm going to lift your name up. Jesus, I lift your name up. We say, who loves God with all their strength? Yeah, that's me. I'm going to travel the nations. I'm going to save the world. Then he says, but love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, oh, it's easier to say I'm going to save the world. But then what about the thing that's closest to me? So here we've gotten this story. Who is my neighbor? We've got this man on the side of the road. And then, and the Bible says, if you read in there, by chance, by chance, here comes along the local priest. Okay, so, so what's the local priest? What's the purpose of the priest? The purpose of the priest is to connect people to the power and the presence of God. He was the one that made it possible to facilitate people to come in and connect with God and find everything they need. Is that right? So do we have any priests here tonight? We do? Bible says that when we, when, we, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, then He establishes us as priests and kings to serve our God, and we'll rule and reign with Him forever. Is that right? So we've got this priest. Is that, is that your neighbor? So just like your neighbor, he's this priest coming along, and he comes along by chance. So what did Pastor Mike say this morning? Who, who believes that they are sent by God, a gift from God given to the world? Who put up their hand? Here I am. Who believes that they're a gift of God sent to the community? Yeah, that's me. Bay City called to, to influence our community. Bay City called to influence Hastings. So here you've got this man given as a gift to the people. 
and he's walking past. By chance, in his community, he happens to be going to school that day. And he looks across and he sees this guy in the gutter. What does he do? He looks, carries on walking. And you say, that's, that's not me. Who's my neighbor? Then you've got the second guy. And this guy's a Levite. And so he's, he comes along by chance. And this time the Bible says that he actually went over and had a look at the guy. Oh, that looks like a bit of a basket case. That's a, that's a marriage that's never going to recover. That's, that's a young person with finances so bad, he's, he might as well give up now. That's a, that's a young person struggling with so much rejection you might as well just go top yourself. I'm not going to get involved there. Look, actually, I'm too busy because I'm going to church tonight because there's this guy preaching tonight that's really, really good. I don't have time to help you, so I'm just going to keep walking. Or maybe, actually, I'm, I'm too holy to help. Actually, I, I can't get my hands dirty, you know, and I don't have time. Actually, all my money is taken up because I'm sponsoring these orphans in Uganda, so I don't have any spare money to help this guy, so I'm just going to keep walking. I see how bad the problem really is. Or maybe, maybe I'm walking through the streets of Hastings and I, and I see the problem and how bad it really is. But I think, well, I, I don't have the time to get involved because I'm so busy at church, actually. And, um, oh, I've got to be at intercessors tonight and I need to pray. I'll, what I'll do is I'll go and pray for this guy. Is that right? I mean, it's easy to pray for someone, isn't it? You see, the challenge that we have is a thing called indifference. What's indifference? It actually means that I don't care. I'm not concerned. I come to church, I lift my hands, I praise him, but when it really comes down to it, it's far easier to sit on a chair and sing the song than actually get involved with a person's life. Is that really right? You see, what would it feel like? Have all of us been in that situation where at some point in our lives we've had things robbed from us and someone came along and connected with us and drew us to connect with him. And yet then we sing the songs, we come to the meetings, we get so involved in a Christian life or so busy or so indifferent that we just don't care or concern anymore. But I want to tell you tonight that our mission is our neighbor. Our mission is our neighbor. Our, our mission is our neighbor. My mission is my neighbor. I mean, who are you sitting next to tonight? What, what are they going through at the moment? What are the struggles that they're facing? What are the difficulties that they're facing at the moment? Oh, we had some fun over in Uganda. We're coming back on the plane. We just finished. We're fairly exhausted as, as you are. And as I'm sitting there, there's this guy. There's one in front of me, and he was fairly unusual sort of a guy. We won't go that one. But there's this one on the opposite side of the aisle, just one in front, an older gentleman. So he'd be 62 is what he told me. And we just start, start up this conversation. And it turns out he's, a, he's like an orthopedic. He does the bionic arm stuff. And I'm thinking, this guy's incredible. And so we just start to talk and show him some interest. And next thing, he's starting to talk about his son and the problems that he's having with his son, who happens to be exactly the same age as me. And he shares and opens up his whole life. And, and I think, well, who am I? Now, I didn't get to pray for him. I didn't get to do anything. But what did I do? I just got to listen to what he wanted to share. Who's my neighbor? Was I too busy? I'm, I'm a holy man coming back from a mission from God to save the world. 
I'm too busy and too tired. I don't need to talk to you anymore. Or have I got the heart of care and concern that's motivated out of a love for me? They'll actually take the time to show some interest. Uh, Ian was talking about a time that he came back recently where he's talking to a Muslim lady. Similar thing happened. And next thing, she just opens her heart completely up to Jesus. He was a priest of God sitting on a plane, connected someone to God. Who is your neighbor? Then the Samaritan comes along. Now, what's a Samaritan? You see, the Samaritans were the people that the Jews hated. They came from the city of Samaria. They were of, they were of false religion. They kind of mixed up with all sorts of other things. And they're a mixed race. They weren't, pure, they weren't pure Israelites. They were kind of part somebody else. And part, so they were absolutely despised so much that if an Israelite had to go somewhere that involved going around or in through the city of Samaria, they would walk around the city to avoid contacting any other people. So they absolutely hated them. So here you've got this Samaritan, despised person coming along. And what, is it, what happens? He sees the person. He sees this person on the side of the road, and he goes over, sees the need, and then he reaches down, and it says that he was moved with compassion. Each one of us sit here tonight because someone was moved with compassion to reach out to us. Is that right? Each one of us. This man, despised by the Israelites, was the very one who actually reached out. How often is it? that you're the priest in your workplace. You're the priest in your school. You're the priest in your neighborhood. You're the priest up your driveway. You're the priest to the, the single mum, the solo mum next door. You're the priest to the person in your sports team. You're the priest on the bus sitting next to the person. You're the priest that's filling your car up with petrol and there's someone right next to you. How often is it that we ignore somebody and then along comes someone like a Samaritan. Half religion, half not. You know, but maybe a bit of Buddha, maybe a bit of something else in there. Not even sure who they are, what they're doing, but move with compassion and make a difference. How much more could it be if the church became the church? What would it be like if each one of us stood up here from today and said, God, I've had enough of being indifferent? Forgive me for being unconcerned about the people up my driveway that share the same driveway as me, but I don't even say hello to them. What would it be like if each one of us could go home and actually start to show some care and concern? See, what does the Bible say he did? It said he, he bandaged his wounds. It says he poured in oil and wine to cleanse as medicine and to wash the wounds. Then he picked him up. He put him on his own animal and took him to an inn. And not only that, he cared for him in the inn. And then he said to the innkeeper, here's some money. Here's some money. I've got to go away. But I'm not going to actually just let this problem lie. I'm going to stay committed until this guy is completely recovered, completely restored. Whatever you need, I'm going to provide it. You know, what would that be like? What would that be like in Hastings? What would that be like in in Napier, what would that be like in Havelock High School? What would that be like in Hastings High School if you could be the person that would just help the person sitting next to you? You know, I was thinking about it and saying, 
you know, often we think you've got to do something so spiritual that I'm the holy man that I've got to have this message from God and sound so holy and it just it's so far from the truth. What did Jesus do? He comes up to the city of Samaria and here's this Samaritan woman at the well. What does he do with her? Just talks to her. When was the last time you just spoke to someone? When was the last time you just showed some interest in someone? When was the last time you just sat down with someone at work that you work with every day, eight hours a day, to actually find out a bit about their life? I've got a lady that I work with at the moment. Two years ago, she lost a son in a horrific car accident. And she's still bleeding on the side of the road because there is nobody that has come alongside that actually can pour in some oil and some wine. Who's the priest in my workplace? Do I wait for somebody else more qualified than me to come along and say, I'm not capable of doing that. I've got to wait until I'm a bit more holy. Or do I actually just show some care and concern? What is it to do that? What is it just to show a bit of empathy? Ask a question. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, what have you been through? Hey, is there anything I can do to write a card? I'm just thinking of you. The person in your street that's just had a family member who's died from cancer just to make up a box of food and send it off to them. The, the neighbor just in front of us, she's a, uh, a solo, solo grandma. <laughs> her, she's, she's, she's on her own. She lives in a house on, a lo- on her own in a street that's, that's fairly safe. But she's got no one to help her cut down the tree branches that are far too big. She's got no one to help her cut the hedge. What, would it be a spiritual thing if I could actually go and help her cut the hedge? Would it be a spiritual thing to actually go and cut the tree for her? Would it be a spiritual thing to actually go and just say, hello, welcome to the neighborhood? See, those are the simple things that you and I can do that is just so simple. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? You know what happened? This lady who lives in front of us, we talked to her about those things. And then we, we, we'd done that a couple of months ago. And then an opportunity comes up for Mother's Day. So we invite her to Mother's Day. You know what she said? Yeah, I came to your church a month ago. I got blown. I never invited her. What are you doing coming to my church? I didn't invite you to church. See, what was it that influenced her? She was my neighbor. And I just reached out and showed some love and care and concern. Next thing, they'll come themselves. They will come themselves if you will show them love. You know, why don't you turn your Bibles to the, to the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 25. You're hearing this, aren't you? It goes awfully quiet. You see, this is just so simple. So, so simple. You don't have to be a holy man. You don't have to go through Bible school to learn how to love somebody. Turn the book of Matthew, chapter 25. See, what's more important to use my gifts or to love people? I'm a skilled musician. I play guitar. I lead worship. So I'm too, I'm too important to actually just go by somebody and just love them. Isn't it both? It says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He will sit on the throne of glory and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will start to separate one from the other. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
You see, that's just so exciting. You know, we think sometimes we go through such hard times and this difficult, this conflict, this situation I'm going through. God's prepared something that's going to be forever. 70 years, such a short period of time. Come, you blessed of my Father. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And so they say, yeah, that's right. I remember when I did that. April 2008, I did that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I I gave that money to, to Pastor Lynn when she was traveling overseas. I remember I did. It says, they didn't say that. It says this. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? You see, they didn't even know that they were doing what God had called them to do because it was second nature. What was it that motivated the Samaritan man to reach out? Because he knew that he was just a man struggling. He saw someone else in need. Out of his own compassion and brokenness, he just reached down and loved somebody else and did what he could. You see, the Bible says if, if you come across someone in need and you've got the resources to help them and you do nothing, then that's sin. Or how often do we come across somebody in need and we've got a smile, we've got a word that we could just say hello, and yet we say nothing? How often do we withhold what God has given us because of fear or insecurity or, or whatever it is, because of indifference, and yet God says to do this? And as much as you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. Interesting. And then there's a second bunch of people that come up. And Jesus says to them, depart from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you because you did nothing. You didn't love the people. You didn't clothe them. You didn't didn't give them a drink. As simple as giving someone a drink. As simple as clothing someone. As simple as visiting someone in prison. As simple as reaching out and saying hello to the person sitting next to you at school. Wouldn't that be so amazing? I wonder how many people here today have had opportunities to say something and have said something and been absolutely amazed that what you say just goes so much further than you could ever, ever imagine. Last week, we're, last Sunday, we're in preaching in this church, and I had this word of knowledge that there's someone with glass in their foot. Now, if you're in Uganda, they just don't have glass. So I'm thinking, what a stupid word. Am I going to say anything? Ended up thinking, well, I have this wrestling match in my head. Finally say, there's somebody here and you've got got glass somewhere in your body. I kind of made it broad to kind of hopefully include somebody else, if I'm really honest. There's somebody here and you've got glass glass somewhere. You've maybe stood on something, maybe somehow touched something. And everyone just looks around thinking, see, God, there's no one here. And next thing, this young man stands up and comes out and he goes, yeah, I was fishing and I stood on this sharp bit of glass and it's in my foot and I can't get it out. And it was a tiny bit. We pray for him. Presence of God touches him. One toe, like his second toe along. Who would be, what God would be interested in the second toe of your left foot with this tiny bit of glass in? You, I mean, what God would send someone two days on a plane and then, then five hours in a, in a vehicle and then, in, and then another one and a half hours hours through this bumpy road to this crazy church and there's this guy there with a message for him about his toe 
I mean, couldn't it be something really holy like a broken leg or, a, you know, a torment or some, some big word or some, you know, at least make me look good. You know what? We didn't even get a healing on the spot. I had to pray twice and there was still no result. But I suddenly realized it wasn't about that. You see, the God that knows exactly what you're going through, the God who knows exactly what the problem is with your left toe and your left foot that nobody even knows about, is the God that's speaking to you tonight and says, your neighbor is your mission. You actually don't have to go, you don't, have to, you don't even have to go five minutes away. You don't have to have great resources. You can actually just walk next door and say hello. You could just walk next door and mow someone's lawn. You could just go down to the local school and just offer to help in some way. You could actually just talk to the person that you're working with every day. You could just send them a text and say, I'm thinking of you. I've got a really good friend of mine. And for 18 months, I text him, rang him, no reply. He lives in another city. And, then, and I thought, what do I do? Do I just give up? Do I just keep walking by and say nothing or do I say something? Kept texting him, thought, I'm going to keep praying for him. Send him this text one day. Hey, I'm thinking of you. Thought nothing of it. Next thing, the phone rings. It's him. He's resurfaced and come back. You know what? The whole reason that he never replied is because he knew that I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And every time he would talk to me, he'd feel guilty. He'd feel like, uh, he'd feel like, hey, if I'm, he'd, he'd, he was aware of his condition. I think, far out, God, your grace has drawn me so much. A simple text using modern technology to send a message from God. I'm thinking of you. God is so good. Is the message of the gospel that hard? <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. This is not too deep for you tonight, is it? That's good. Matthew chapter 7. See, this is the same. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's the will of my Father in heaven? Love him with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So who's my neighbor? The person sitting next to me. Okay, so we got that part. But does the will, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not come to church and sing songs? And did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do many wonders and pray for people who were sick? Did we not heal them? Did we not travel to Uganda and have these great crusades and conferences? Did we not do all these amazing things? And he will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. See, what's lawlessness? Just doing my own thing. Doing my own thing when I want, how I want, my way. When my parents ask me to do something, I say, whatever. God says, hey, love your neighbor. What do you say? Actually, by walking past them, I'm saying, God, whatever. I'll just do what I want when I want. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You see, I wonder if there's anybody here tonight. And you know in your heart there's that measure of indifference. Whatever that's rooted in, whether that's in fear, whether that's in, whether that's in pain, whether that's that you've reached out before 
and you've reached out to someone who's on the side of the road and they've snapped at you. I remember walking up to someone on the, on the street in Christchurch thinking I'm going to do this you know, evangelism on the street. And I walked up to this guy and I got about this far away and said, hello. And he just said, you, you, you. And I'm thinking, I just turned around and went home. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're like that. You've, you've had a situation where you've reached out and, and you've been abused for reaching out to someone. Well, I know my Savior, Jesus Christ, was abused for reaching out to somebody. Maybe you're here and you realize that there is that measure of indifference, that you used to have a love and a care concern for somebody, but actually that's just washed by the by. Maybe that's here to, you here tonight. I want to challenge you. Why don't everyone just close your eyes for a moment? You know, this is so simple. It's such a simple thing. You say, God, that's me. There's a measure of indifference in all of us. I don't want to really get involved because it's going to cost me. I don't want to really get involved because I might have to give my life. I might get messy. I might get blood on me, someone else's blood. It might cost me money. It might cost me time. If you're here tonight and you say, that's me, I'm not going to get you to come up the front, but I want, if that's you, I want you to acknowledge that before God and say, God, that's me. I need to change. If that's you, just, just wave your hand. Say, that's me, God. You're speaking to me tonight. Give him a big wave and say, God, that is me. I know that there's a measure of indifference in my life that I've got to change. Father, it's decreed tonight for every person. This acknowledges you before, before you tonight. Just that measure of indifference that I've walked past people. I've walked past people in my home. I've walked past people in my school, my street, and ignored them when you've called me and sent me as their priest. Father, I pray that you would cause them to come alive on you. That your love would motivate them to make a difference. You know, I wonder, see, the thing is that man sitting on the side of the road. The thing, we were all like that, except Jesus Christ came and actually poured in all in one into our lives. He reconnected. He paid the price, not only for us to come to Him, but to stay connected. He paid the price, not only to come back to Him, but He paid the price for everything we would need to get totally restored. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight and you say that, hey, that's me. I don't know Jesus, but I'm like that guy on the side of the road that, that I need some help. And I want, to, I want Jesus to come and, and help me, be my saviour, rescue me, come in and be, like my, be my best friend. If that's you tonight, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, then just give us a wave. Anyone here tonight? But you know what? Here's what I really feel for tonight. There's many people here. And you know that that Jesus has done so much for you. You know what you're supposed to be like. You know all the things that rah, rah, rahs. I'm supposed to be so much up here. But you feel like that man 
on the side of the road. You started off walking from Jerusalem to Jericho and actually some things have happened in your life this year that's robbed you. Maybe it's a conflict that you're facing, some conflict that you faced that has actually damaged you on the inside and you're feeling stripped and laid bare on the side of the road tonight. I want to encourage you and just tell you that your journey is not over. That your journey is not over. Because I know that, that Jesus is here tonight to pour in something that you need. That we've got some leaders here tonight that are going to pray and minister the love of God to you. That if you just say, yes, God, I'm going to stand and receive your love. You know, we sing that song, you are my strength. You are my strength. You are my strength. There's some of us here tonight that just need someone to stand with you and pour in oil and wine. Pray and minister and prophesy. Why don't we just all stand on our feet right now? And if that's you tonight, you say, that's me. I'm, I'm on the side of the road and I want to get back up on my feet. God, I need you to refresh me and fill me up again. Then just don't wait. Just come straight up the front. God, I need you refreshing a fresh touch from God. If that's you, we're going to meet you up the front. And I believe there's many here tonight. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's some personal things that you're actually pushing against and you feel like it's just beating you down. Whatever that may be, I know tonight's your night. Because His love, His love is what motivates. His grace is what compels us. Father, I just want to thank you for your great love. Why don't we just lift up His hands in His presence. Father, we thank you for your presence here. To refresh, to encourage. I thank you that we are worthy. That we're so valuable in your sight. I thank you that there's nothing that can take away your love. No hardship, no difficulty. Nothing in the past, nothing in the presence. Lord, flood us. We reach out and lay a hold of something fresh in you. We need a greater measure of your love.